Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my dear friends, Mr. Mike Klein and Mrs. Emily Rizowski. So I love Mike and Emily. I adore Mike and Emily. They are my partners at the Humans Are Good Foundation, which is a nonprofit that I recently started collaborating with to create resources for everyday human beings to go inward. And in this week's episode, we talk about a specific tool that all of us have benefited greatly from, which is the power of community-based healing. You know, when I first started my healing journey or my personal growth journey, I wanted to do everything on my own. I had this lone wolf syndrome where I carried this badge of honor by being somebody who figured things out on my own, who was resourceful, who was able to be hyper-independent. And I celebrated that independence. But it wasn't until I joined healing communities with other people where I realized I had massive walls around asking for help. I had massive insecurities around being seen as vulnerable or um, sad. I had these internal stories around needing to look strong or what that meant to look strong in the eyes of others, which created walls between the people I loved and myself. And it wasn't until I leaned into the power of community-based healing that I was able to actually shift the quality of my life because the quality of our life is our relationships. It shifted the nature of my businesses. It, By truly being able to lean into community and identify all of the biggest fears I had of relating to other human beings, it changed my life. It changed Mike's life. It changed Emily's life. And it accelerated the path of growth that I don't think I would have been able to do on my own. And so in this week's episode, we talk a lot about how community support has played such a massive role in our personal growth journeys, how we're all just representations of each other. And in the words of the late Ram Das, we're all just walking each other home. And I just really wanted to bring on Mike and Emily, not just because if you guys have been following me on social media, if you listened to the last episode, you know that We're announcing a live masterclass on October 5th to talk about all of these tools that we've learned over the years that have really worked for us. But I wanted to bring Mike and Emily on to talk specifically about healing through belonging and healing through community because I don't think it's talked about enough. I think we celebrate the lone wolves. I think we celebrate this idea that we all have to do things on our own. And that's just not true. We were, we're wired to belong as children. We cannot survive without parental support. Like, and this idea that we need to be hyper independent is what's creating this mental health epidemic that we're in right now. That's what's creating this loneliness epidemic. It's what's creating stress on our systems. And I, more than I believe in the power of plant substances or breath work or meditation or any of those tools, 
I believe that healing and community and being seen in community is what's going to actually change the fabric of our health as a species. It's what's going to truly allow us to liberate ourselves from this idea that we have to have it all figured out all the damn time. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Join us for the masterclass on October 5th. You can head to rajana.com forward slash masterclass to learn more about that. And I hope this episode finds you well. I hope it gives you hope in the fact that there are so many human beings just like you who are leaning into community to get the support that they need. And I hope that you lean into us. I hope you lean into this podcast. I hope you lean into this masterclass we're creating. And I hope you just realize how supported you actually are, even if you don't feel it in every moment. I love you all. And without further ado, here is my dear friends, Mr. Mike Klein and Miss Emily Rosowski. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this very special special episode of Stay Grounded with two of my absolute favorite human beings in the world, Emily Rosowski and Mike Klein. Welcome. Hey. Hey, Raj. Thanks for having us. I'm, uh, I just love you both so much. I adore you both tons for individual reasons. And um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation because I think you know, doing the work in community or finding tribe to start unraveling who you are and start questioning some of those deeper constructs and starting to learn how to love yourself. It's so paramount and it's been so life-changing for me. And, you know, even, you know, how we met, we all met in communities where we were showing up wanting to explore ourselves. And so maybe I would love to start there. Like, maybe we can start with you, Emily, like what brought you into this type of work of, you know, starting to look at yourself, starting to ask questions, like, can you paint the picture of where you were at right when you sort of realized that you needed community support to really get to the next level of your own personal journey? Yeah, for sure. Well, I've been on the path, I guess you could say, since I was 14. So I've been doing this for quite a while now. So about 17 years, 31 now. And the first part of that was really me going into a healing journey around a disease. I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa when I was 14 and pretty quickly realized that the path to healing was, or path to salvation was through healing. And I would say about 10 years into that, I really hit a wall where I'd exhausted all of my resources of solo practice. You know, I'd done yoga, done Reiki, like all these sorts of things that were really solo practices that got me really far, right? Like I was able to be living a normal life. I felt generally somewhat, you know, like together, but there was still so much missing. I didn't really have a community of people who got me. And I always kind of felt a little out of place. Couldn't really figure out where I belonged. So that that need for belonging, I don't even know if I could have put my like finger on it, but I just knew like there was something missing and I couldn't quite get past a certain level. I, around that time, went through a big breakup and ended up kind of naturally falling into 
a breathwork class through someone who I've been working with one-on-one suggested I go. And it was the first time I'd really, you know, seen the power of community. Like everyone is in the room healing and breathing together and they're big, you know, very psychedelic experiences. And that really led me on the path of being open to, to more and found myself kind of you know, continuing to get exposed through hearing this thing in there, whatever, to more psychedelic work. And and those two practices, breathwork, psychedelic work, they're both done pretty heavily in community for me in group settings and uh, the deep healings and trainings I've been to. They're in groups with, with people interacting and healing together. And those really took me to a completely new level. Like they have come catapulted me just beyond what I thought was possible. And um not only do I feel more whole, but now I have tribe, like I have community all over the world. Like my, my, my life is now incredibly rich as I'm healing. Like I don't have to do it alone. And so it was a total turning point for me, for sure. Yeah, I can totally. And, and it's kind of like you kind of need to experience it once to even realize it's possible, you know, like you. Yeah. Like you don't realize it because you're in your own world. You're doing all the work solo. You're trying to figure things out. But then the second you like almost allow yourself to be in that community setting and you experience like, like that, Oh wait, there's other people like me who are also asking themselves these questions, struggling, just striving to be better. Like it's, it's a really inspiring and loving kind of energy. And Mike, I'd love to even now like ask you, like, you know, cause you've done a lot of personal work, you know, like uh, the journey to before you actually started opening up in community, like what was the, sort of bridge for you to enter into like a community setting and beginning to really do the work in that way. It's really fascinating hearing Emily's story on this front because it's something that I don't think her and I have actually ever talked about. Similar path in terms of the the approach. I was uh, 21 when I had my first experience that led me to, to understand there's inner work to be done. So about 19 years ago for me, but it was really only about three, four years ago that I had some of my first community-based experiences. And what it showed me very quick, right to my face, was that there are certain types of unprocessed emotional data in our nervous system that is not accessible when you're just doing solo work. And it was really that first experience that I had that let me understand oh, I'm holding on subconsciously to a lot of stuff that happened in my elementary school years, in my high school school years um, that had to do with tribe and being seen by other. And so it was really after that first experience that some of the framework that we use, which was you know, uh, given to us by another, by another friend in this work, right? That it's self, family, tribe, community. It really showed me crystal clear that the community side of this, the tribe side of it is absolutely key. I mean, I found very quickly that I was, you know, I had a lot of resistance to being seen by other, which meant lean in. There's a lot to learn here. So it's been, it was pretty new for me, just like I said, last three, three, four years. And so when it kind of clicked that there was a, a deep well of learning to be had here, I've kind of gone, you know, uh, full on into it. And it's been, it's been pretty amazing to understand the nuance and the facets of community. Yeah, you know, and I'm really kind of in what you're saying, like that resistance to being seen, feeling seen, right? Like it is, we have so many walls up in our society, you know, everything from 
you know, how people look like how we're, we want to be perceived. Like we don't want to be seen failing. We don't want to be seen weak. We don't want to be seen as human. Like, and there's so many elements of us that we're afraid of showing to the world. And I think that, you know, what you said was really powerful, like leaning in, right? Like, I think that was the most powerful accelerator for me of, of healing in community settings was realizing that every single person there was a mirror. <laughs> like they were mirroring back, like the things I loved in other people were actually things I loved in myself. The things I didn't like in other people were actually things that I was judging about myself. And it almost became like, I had reference points. I don't know if you guys have, uh, Emily, I'd love to ask you, like, you know, how has the role or the idea of mirrors kind of played a role in your own journey? And like, how has that accelerated breakthroughs or given you clarity as to how to approach your own inner exploration? Yeah, well, I think the most powerful answer to that I can share is a really just like brief story, which to the earlier point, you get so much further when you're working in a space where everyone is open and vulnerable together. I think that's the precursor is that we don't we don't live in a world where that's normal all the time. <laughs> Although now more days I'm living in a world like that, which is, it's possible. But to get to that place of vulnerability means that the depth that you're able to go to with others is so much richer and they're for yourself. So very brief story, early days in my group work, specifically around psychedelic healing, six months before our group experience, I was kind of connected through a mutual friend to another girl who immediately when I met her, we like, we just triggered each other. I did not like her. She did not like me. It was just this really kind of interesting space. And so, you know, at that initial meeting, we could kind of feel the vibe was off and we just left it. You know, there wasn't a conversation. There wasn't a confrontation. It was just, we're just going to kind of avoid each other, right? And and that's going to be life. No big deal. Well, fast forward six months in the future, we both end up at this healing experience together, at this journey together. And, oh, it just like crawl under my skin. <laughs> like, oh, darn, this person's here. How the heck did this person get here? And, you know, all these things are coming up, blah, blah. About halfway through the experience, she, just an amazing human. We are very close friends now. She sits down in front of me and she goes, you really triggered me. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, like, you know, it really took me aback. But, but because I was in that space of being so open and kind of the bar had been cleared so that I knew it was a safe space to be vulnerable because that's what we're doing. We're doing that. We're, we're working together to heal. I was able to kind of let down my walls and really express to her why she triggered me. And, and it was just this really interesting dynamic. And ultimately, we had realized like she was representing a part of me that I had rejected. She represented this part. She is an incredibly wonderful, open-hearted, very feminine, very effeminate person. And I'm not really that way for many reasons, right? And it was bringing up so much for me about the part of my own femininity that I rejected. And over time, like 
I realized at our core, we're like so similar. We're so similar, but we just have these kind of polar experiences of what feminine energy is. And it was really hard for us at first to figure it out. And over time, that confrontation and conversation has led to like an incredible friendship. Like I know I can call her anytime, any place. She's helped me through so many really hard moments. And like, I know I have like a true sister. And even just saying that is like... Emily 10 years ago would be like, you are full of shit. <laughs> you know, so so I think like that. So if I if I really can can take it into clarity points, the vulnerable space creates an opportunity for healing to happen that would never happen otherwise. And because we can see kind of the deeper levels, we can come to fuller acceptance of both her and also of myself, like and who that represents for us. Like, imagine if you could do that with like your family member or the person who bullied you when you were in school, you know, like imagine where you could go. It it could just change your whole life, you know? I want to just really anchor on that point. You know, it's almost like the opportunity to have that conversation with somebody was practice doing so, so that you can actually go out there and do this with your parent or your loved one or your friends or the people that aren't committed to the path, right? Like it's like, well, right, right. And, and after that experience and it turned out so well, I, and, and she so triggered me that now when I look at someone in real life, who's triggering me, I'm like a real life meaning not in those containers. I'm able to be like, Oh, wait a minute. Because sometimes a lot of the people who trigger me remind me of her. And so I can go back to that reference point and say, okay, this is really about me. And if I have more work to do on this, I should call her up and work through it with her because she's a safe person who can help me see myself more and work on these other relationships. So now I have a representation of a trigger that I can work through in a safe space with someone who I consider like an incredibly close friend. That would never happen otherwise. So it creates a bridge. Even if I never have the conversation with the random chick who's bothering me at Starbucks, you know, like I can use it as a trigger to go deeper. And you just like, everyone is a representation of each other too. So that's the other benefit. Like we can be in a space and you can represent my brother and then, and you know, you can represent my uncle, Mike. And it's just like, all these things can just come up and we can work through it together with this space. Yeah, I mean, and and being able to really anchor into those mirrors, like truly they are just mirrors. Because you said yourself, like after you had the hard conversations, you realized how similar you were, right? Like at the core, we're all just loved. We want to be loved. We want to be seen. We want to be held. But there are these walls and these stories and these constructs of separation, which is what we're actually untangling and deconditioning from. And And Mike, I want to really kind of ask you, like, you know, the idea of mirrors, do you have any examples maybe of a difficult mirror or even in a sense of like how mirrors have have played a role for you and how that idea and the concept of looking at others as mirrors for your own, your own work, like how has that influenced or impacted or accelerated your journey? I really like the quote from Ram Das, which is that we're all just walking each other home. And that dives into the deeper sort of philosophical construct that we, we are all one, right? When we dive into spirituality and there's a, it's a whole discussion unto itself. But the practical application of that statement from Ram Das to me is that we can learn something from everyone. 
mirrors exist everywhere. All of nature, you know, is kind of like contained in the fractal pattern of a single leaf or a single seed. And so playing off or, or tying into Emily's story a little bit here, the cross triggering that can happen in a safe container is the greatest learning opportunity. The triggers are the golden nuggets, right? And we talk about that a lot, right? We get triggered. We don't want to just cope with that thing. And we don't want to recapitulate that thing. We want to understand the energy that's driving it. And we do that by, by leaning in and really kind of learning what that mirror, like we say mirrors, but there's a way that feels that you kind of have to learn to understand and accept and different people will feel different when it comes to that mirroring of information. I think you said it, Emily, it's like we are each other's brothers, uncles, sisters, siblings. And that's, that's beautiful. It, you know, it's only been the last, like I said, three, four years for me to lean into community. But as those things clicked for me, you can, I've been able to allow the emotional connection with others in those ways, both with the triggering and with the insights and love and acceptance that happens. And it's really allowed me to very rapidly release some of the bound energy that is inside of me. And when I say bound energy, we talk about it in the model, of course, but it's really just unprocessed emotional data in your nervous system, right? All this work that we're doing is just autonomic nervous system health. I emphasize that to kind of bring it back when we start talking about the spiritual edges of this stuff, because it's, it's pretty magical. I mean, emotions and emotional connectivity with others is mighty magical. Well, and as you see, you know, I think what's really cool is like, even at least the, the healing circles that I've been a part of, like, there's always an, a component of everyone sharing where they're at, whether it's after the healing experience, there's integration right? There's a collection, of, there's a period where we all come together and gather our biggest insights and share our stuff. And for me, I know being able to hear somebody else's reflections and hear how they're processing their own stuff has given me so much insight into how, like, it's like, I always used to think that I needed to go get a therapist or I needed to go get like a mental health professional. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to say this publicly like if you are suicidal or if you have true like true trauma that you need to work through like you may need professional support what we're talking about here is an opportunity to learn how others are learning to love themselves at the end of the day like and that's what was so powerful for me was i was seeing so many examples of self love i remembered when i first got into community healing like i was walking out of a, a 9 year relationship and I remembered being in community settings where I was seeing other relationships and I was observing how they were relating with one another. Like I was observing how they were speaking to one another. And that was such a powerful learning opportunity for me because I'd look at the men in those relationships and see like, wow, like I don't remember ever speaking that way to my ex. I don't ever remember having those tools. Like why did I have so many walls up? And that led to a line of inquiry for myself, seeing the beauty in someone else's experience. And I'm wondering, like, I guess there's a, another element that I, I have to speak to is this, this fear of feeling seen, right? Like think of the resistances to like, you know, like, I don't want others to look at my stuff and 
I would love to maybe talk about that with you too. Is like, how did you guys get over that fear? Or can you talk about like your transition from feeling that way to then like, when did you start actually? Because I think that's so important to kind of anchor into. Because I, I know that was one of my biggest resistances to like going from, oh, I just want to be behind the, the closet in a one-on-one setting, like kind of hidden talking to this person who, how did you guys go from that type of a mindset to like being more open to talking about what you're going through in a, in a group setting? I don't know if you ever just fully get over being seen at all. Two things, I think. Number one, having like a process and a facilitator that you trust, I think is really important. So like with the work that we're doing, all of the work that we're offering, the mapping process, the healing communities, like all of that is science backed, like like deeply tested, deeply tried, deeply trusted. And so because there is like trust that you can kind of lean into, right? Like it's not, you know, you can feel a sense of safety. I think that allows for openness to occur. Like when we are in one of these group sessions and someone's being mapped, there's trust because we've done a tremendous amount of work to ensure that there's trust built into the system. I don't ever feel comfortable sharing or being seen if I don't feel like that space, that tool, that facilitator, this practice can really hold me and Mm -hmm. it can really, it's safe. So I think that's number one, there has to be safety. And that safety doesn't have to come from a person. It can come from the tool itself or like the repeatability of a system or the community, like somewhere there has to be safety. And then the other thing is that I really had to learn what's mine and what's not mine. I would say to this day, I am talking and sharing and educating and in, in public eye often, even just with all the trainings we're doing, you're seeing my face often if you're part of the community. Even now, when I'm in a circle or I'm in a group with somebody, I will feel my heart pound or my stomach churn when I'm about to say something or speak, especially in a more like thoughtful way. And I've had to really learn how to hold that almost like a separate little bundle of energy. Like, you know, it's, it, I can hold it in my body, but recognize it's not mine. And so I can still act. I can still speak. I can still be myself, even though the nervousness, the energy of the room is all palpable. This is especially important for people who are very empathic or like highly sensitive people. If you're drawn to this work. Chances are you probably are. So it's a training mechanism to realize, oh, that's just my old fear, my old stories, my old pattern telling me to be small, not be seen. This is unsafe. When when really, like going back to something that we teach here, like one of the keys, magic keys, we call them, like it's going from unsafe to uncomfortable. Like I've had to learn that the energy, the emotions I'm feeling, even one, number one, they're not mine. Maybe they're a belief I picked up from someone or a coex story that's been looping in my head. And number two, it's safe for me to feel that. And it's just uncomfortable. It's not unsafe, it's uncomfortable. And so I think those are the two main things. It's the safety in the container, safety in the actual tool, and then just training myself through continual group work to identify what's mine, what's my story, what's my belief, and really leaning into the fact that it's safe for me to be myself. Oh, I just I love that answer. And I just want to really applaud the awareness because I, I think there's so many layers to what you said. I think we could probably have a whole another podcast on like the nuances of, you know, my energy, their energy, a story I picked up, the energy of the room, like... Or just join the training, like do the healing work because we're literally designing a tool to help 
People do that. I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, it, I'm biased, but. Uh, oh, I know. We're all biased. Yes, we're all biased. Well, and, and but what's this cool. Is why I did it. Well, I, I think that's what's so cool about this is like, you know, at the end of the day, like we're all individuals who've just committed to our own work. Right. And I think that's the most inspiring part of this. Like, yes, I think there's a place for mental health professionals, quote unquote, to talk down and give you top down information. I know, at least for myself, when I first got started on my journey, I thought that coaches had all the answers. I thought that like people who were professionals had all the answers. And what I was doubting was my own intuition about what I needed. And it wasn't until I got into environments with other people that were just like me, not professionals, not individuals that had all the credentials, but we were navigating these things that I actually learned to develop the sensitivity necessary to actually understand myself and have the confidence to trust myself, right? Like, cause that trust is built with you making an assumption about what you're feeling and then testing it. And then having mirrors of feedback around you to then like be like, Oh yeah, you're right. That is yours. Or, Hey, I'd love to have this conversation with you. Like I'm picking this up. Like, is there something here? And then it's like, you can clear the air and learn to like sharpen your own intuition, which is like, I think such a big thing. I, I just really want to highlight that because I, I think that's a big pillar of what we're teaching. It's like you are your own greatest research project. Like you are your own greatest healer at the end of the day, like, you know, and, and you, and sometimes we just need others to kind of actually give you that feedback, like not even tell you what to do, but like be in the room with you for you to realize like, oh yeah, that's not mine. That's theirs. This is mine over here. This is how I feel. Mike, I'd love to actually shift over to you too. Cause you're in particular interesting. Cause like, I know for myself, I know that men entering into the work, there's like a a certain layer of needing to look a certain way, like feelings are bad. You know, there's a whole layer of masculinity, I think that I had to work through. And I'm so I'm curious, like, when it comes to feeling seen and allowing yourself to be like, seen in that, like, you know, what was that journey like for you? Kind of rewiring that or, or becoming more intimate with that? And, and how did you get to a space now where you are really comfortable just being open and vulnerable and honest inside of those community settings? So many different facets of this dialogue. I, I love listening to Emily riff the last five, six minutes here. I mean, I got like notes on paper. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that part and that part too. And it's, it's amazing how much we just keep learning from each other with this. I grew up in an environment where I was bullied and I made myself small. I made myself not noticed and I just operated like the underdog. I did that in school. I did that in business. And so, you know, I, I got myself into, you know, some of the, I was the smallest fish in the, the biggest ponds by that very nature. And so I kind of reinforced some of this hiding of myself over the course of my life. And it got attached to success and, and some other things. And for me, it really took the understanding, you know, the path of, of knowledge and understanding has been so key for me to make peace with slash be in my body more and to understand my body. And so as some of the scientific pieces sort of clicked into place, it was undeniable. I was like, oh, well, yep, this is very uncomfortable. I thought it was unsafe. It's actually safe. It's just really, really uncomfortable. 
And that you know, magic key that Emily mentioned, I think is such a, such an important one here. And for us each to learn what psychological safety is for us. And so specific to leaning into the bound energies related to tribe and community. I didn't have much problem with family. I was able to lean in with my family more, but any kind of tribe and community stuff for me, the key thing that I discovered is that I have to ask for the space that I need for the processing. You meet me and have dialogues on the regular. I seem like I'm processing very fast. My brain does run a little overclocked from the neurological tests we've done. I'm pretty left brain mathematical. But when it comes to some of this stuff, I am very slow. And I have to ask for the dialogue to be slowed down. I have to request that that space be created. And I didn't realize that early on. I was putting pressure on myself that I was this fast responding. I think a certain way. I am a certain way. Well, no, that was inhibiting me. And so when I started to understand, I just really needed, I needed quiet. I needed longer periods of time to think. I needed to take it slower. That really opened it up for me. And ultimately, like, it's to that, we're talking about belonging. My mind goes to this sort of oh, metaphor, you want to call it, like being seen naked by everyone. I'm naked on a table in public. And does anybody care? No, everybody's got their own life and everything going on. Some people care. But some people care. Some people don't want to see you on a table naked, Mike. I certainly don't want to see you on a table. If, if I don't have to, I really don't want to. I mean, I'll see an ass yeah, cheek. I mean, I'll see a butt cheek every now and then. But like, you know, like a social experiment. But it's that metaphor of just being seen. And it's so funny. It, once again, it goes back to triggers being the golden nuggets. And so if you feel yourself having resistance, we can just ask the question, you know, is this, is there something here? Is this healthy resistance that has allowed me to be where I am in life? And I mean, that's, and that's what our bodies do. Our nervous systems protect us. And so it's a, uh, you know, a mindful and delicate process to lean into yourself and to learn yourself with this work. Well, I think what's so powerful in both of your answers is I'm just seeing this, you know, the more you like, being seen and the, and the safe and the comfortable feelings that come with practicing putting yourself out there and talking about your stuff, right? It's uncomfortable at first, but the more you begin to accept yourself and the more you practice, like allowing, like, cause I think even in that, like, oh, I don't want people to, to hear this story. Well, what's the layer underneath that? It's, there's a layer of judgment that you have about this story. Right. Like, so when you begin to resolve that or you allow that story to fall apart, then it's like, okay, like I don't have the same charge and the same shame around talking about this stuff. And that's what creates liberation, right? Like when I think about the path to liberation, that path to, which I think is what we're all seeking. Like I I know there's the word healing and community right now. Like it's like, we're self-healing. I actually don't think we're healing because healing implies that we're broken. I actually think we're here to liberate ourselves from all of these stories, these judgments, these false conditioning that we inherited from society, from family, from religion, from generations of some we've created too, right? Some we've created created as a defense mechanism in our lives. Some we've created from our own interpretations of 
yeah, being alive. And so I, and I think that's what's so empowering here, right? Like, I think this is why I personally, and we all personally believe in, you know, community based awareness work, community based healing so much. And outside of community, even like just leaning into others as an opportunity to grow. Like, I mean, relationship, community, like, you know, self tribe or self partner tribe community, like, they're all opportunities. And, and now we're, we're bringing it to life. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Just to piggyback on your, you know, healing versus liberation kind of thing. I said it earlier, but just to state it again and kind of drive this point home and then share a little story. It's autonomic nervous system health is what we're doing. And we are processing the unprocessed and disassociated emotional data in the nervous system, which really means feel the feels. It's about feeling the feelings, completing the incomplete partial feeling structures that exist that are wrapped up in stories and beliefs. For me, as a kid, young boy, Midwest, I learned subconsciously around the age of eight, seven to nine years old. Couldn't tell you exactly how old I was, but I have a little flash of a, a imagery in my head. I was very emotionally distraught. I was outside with my dad. And I learned from my dad's communication to me, right? This is not my dad did this to me. This is I learned this and took this on. And it was the understanding that I needed to get a hold of my emotions and to control them, get them under wraps. Because if I didn't, they would control me. And it was the first time in my life, it was like, oh, I have to sort of egoically with my mind grab a hold of things. It's not okay to just feel what's coming up and allow it to keep coming up and through me. And so that was something that I learned at that early age, around 12, I hit a, um, hit a real emotional brick wall, you know, was, uh, uh, the the suicidal thoughts, the exit stage right kind of thinking had, had started to come into my mind. And I made a decision at 12 to never allow myself to feel this way again. And I shut down a huge part of myself. And so this was a story that I crafted and I leveraged and used as a defense mechanism for a long period of time in my life. And frankly, I would say it, it saved me. It was very, very important at the time. But those things aren't the truth, right? The total truth, the big T truth um, when we really lean into it. And so it's been a, a pretty fascinating journey for me to take that the beliefs I picked up along the way and how they're influencing my life. Thank you. I'm actually really curious to actually, Emily, if you're open to sharing, like, how do you feel today versus where you were when you first began. Like, I really actually want to, because that's really beautiful, Mike. Like, I love what you shared, Mike, and I want to just highlight something, which I think is important, which is, I think the difference between healing and liberation is like this forgiveness bridge that we allow ourselves to have. The healing is everything that we're doing up until the point in which we totally forgive ourselves, because once forgiveness occurs, Total self-love can actually integrate our body and our heart can meet our spirit and we can merge. That is liberation. Healing is everything we do up until that moment. Mm -hmm. And what Mike just talked about was that, and I, it's a really cool story. It obviously shows a lot of self-awareness. Obviously we're doing the work here. <laughs> but, um, but he's like, that 
thing that I shut down. Like that 12 year old boy shut down suicidal thoughts so he could survive. Like so much of our lives, someone in that same situation would penalize and get angry with ourselves for shutting that part of ourselves down and punish ourselves inadvertently. And so, so much of what we say about forgiveness isn't about, oh, you're forgiving your dad. It's actually not about forgiving your dad. It's actually around, or whatever that version is for you. It's about forgiving yourself for keeping yourself safe. It's like this really interesting thing because when you can really look at you and be like, oh my God, I forgive myself so fully. I was just trying to keep myself safe, even though it's wrecked havoc on all these areas of my life and I haven't fully been able to whatever, insert story, insert situational problem manifesting. When you can really forgive yourself for shutting that part down because you were saving your life, then you can actually get to liberation. And so I think that full spectrum healing, it can feel really messy and how you get all there is it can be complex, which is why the framework that we use and the tools that we have are designed to help simplify this really complex thing yeah. as best as we possibly can. But it's also why people get caught in the path because they, they don't know where to go next. They don't know, what, okay, I'm forgiving my dad, but I still don't feel good. I wrote him a letter. I forgave him. Why the isn't this happening for me? Why can't I liberate myself? You know, why are my relationships still shit? Whatever. So for me, it's like so incredible to have, like, I wish I had this guidance for myself. I wish I didn't have to go through the whole entire healing process to look backwards and say, how the hell did that happen? Like, I wish that were the case. And that's why we're doing this. Like, I think that's key. And so now off of that rant to answer your actual question, you know, I would say, honestly, like I mentioned, my initial reason for even healing is because I was in a physically dire state of like hospitalization, like anorexia, as all of these diseases are, it's a mental disease as well as a physical disease. And so for me, while I was, you know, physically in a better space, my mind was still completely entrenched by that. Um, belief, which was really, I was not, I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. And ultimately what I realized was that that core belief system was implanted in me through my lineage. And I was attracting experiences uh, I attracted in order for me to release. And this could be completely controversial, but it's my truth. I attracted to me at that young age, a young age, an abuse experience of sexual abuse. And so that energy actually recapitulated to use Mike's word, this experience of starving myself because I felt something was so wrong with me. And so I say that, I give you that background. I talk about that because on the physical level, I was looking fine. I was eating normally. I had the general, like the normal amount of female self-loathing for their bodies. Like on paper, I was fine. Like on paper, I looked good. I, I blended with my friends, whatever. I loved green juice and that was the whole thing. But really it wasn't until I started looking at healing as going beyond just healing and into liberation that I was actually able to fully understand how to release that thought pattern, which was connected to both early childhood experiences, but also lineage healing stuff I inherited and then adopted on. And so now I would say really the work that I've done in community and the work that I've done with those two tools that I mentioned as prim my primary tools, as well as my own self-work, I have finally, 
finally, finally gotten myself after like a 15-year journey of exploration. Remember, I've been at this for 17. So only two years do I feel like I've fully been liberated from that experience. And over those two years, I've committed myself to figure out how the hell I did that. Because I don't really think I knew. It just happened. And if I really trace it back, and obviously finding all the work that Mike had done around this framework, and then looking at the framework and then holding it up to my most seasoned, most masterful teachers who I trust with my life, you know, and I look at their processes, it's the same. So if I had had the framework and these beautiful teachers of mine, they're creating this, this story, but I don't, they're not scientific, right? Like that's their magic is they're not scientists. So, I mean, they are, they're energetic scientists, but they're not like mathematical, logical scientists in the same way that the way I think our tool is, is based. So it was harder for me to really grapple with as someone who's more mind focused. So to answer the question, it's been a really long journey to this past liberation, but I don't want people to have to wait 15 years to do this. Like it's just, it doesn't have to happen that way, <laughs> you know? And like, we can't wait for everybody to go through 15 years of their own healing journey so that all of our lives can improve and therefore our environments and our communities can improve. Like it's, we just don't have time for it anymore. And so for me, like, it doesn't have to be that long. And I do feel I've gotten to a space of liberation, but it's taken diligence and work and really that full remembrance that this is not fully mine. It kept me safe in the same way. Like, you know, that, that I'm not enoughness also kept me safe. Like that kept me safe and secure, kept me controlled. It kept me in control of my physical reality and my physical body, which was the mechanism of, of, of weapon, right? So like, I think there's so many layers to it. I could spend years unpacking, but I think my story is very similar to Mike's. It's just a different expression and my underlying core belief was slightly different. So it's different coex, root coex beliefs, but the same exact process and pattern of acceptance, gratitude, forgiveness, lib- to real like responsibility, whatever forgiveness, and that really creates a liberation. So if that, if you lost me all in that space, like, but you're curious, then check out what we're doing, read the framework, go back and be like, what was that thing she said about how she healed in less, you know, you know, all of that. They're, like we've created the tools to help people do that. Well, and one of the things I just want to really anchor in is I think a lot about like, I was actually reflecting on this. Like I, I heard myself say, I wish I could have done this faster. I wish I could have done this yeah. more effectively. I wish I didn't have to spend so much money. And when I really connect to that in this moment, listening to both of you speak, I'm so grateful that we had the resources, the tenacity and the patience to stick through our shit because it forced us to develop an understanding of what is actually happening from our own lived experiences, which bridges in the science and the soul, right? Like, Mike, you really went deep into the science and really brought in all these things. But Emily, you and I are lived examples, like we're living it and we're bringing in that lived experiences. And I think that's what makes the buddy groups and everything that we're releasing and, and making available to all of you listening. And, you know, like, that's what makes this so special. It's not, it truly is a byproduct of all of our journeys, all of our lessons, every mistake, and in an effort to create a, a simpler, more effective and straightforward path to your own unique, personalized journey to liberation because we are all on our own journeys. Right. Right. Well, like, that's the one thing I just wanted to reinforce too is like 
there is no one size fits all. There is no, no one tool that's just going to solve it all for you. It's a mix of tools sequenced in a way that you can calibrate yourself. And if we can be a guide to introduce you to a smattering of tools that are literally designed to help with certain things, like, you know, you have this core belief, let's use that I'm not enough, something wrong with me, whatever. There are certain tools that are just more effective in different ways. And you can choose which one you want at any different stage of your healing journey in the application that works. And that's why like, this is a place for all all paths, all experiences that you get to kind of work your way through. Like you'll never hear us tell you that this is the tool. No, there's a general energetic experience that occurs that is universal, like gravity. This is how energy releases in the body. This is the mechanics of it. And then here's the 80 different ways you could do that structured so that you can get a flavor of what that process looks like multiple times of release. And that way you can figure out what works for you. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give you as many opportunities as we can to follow that path so that you can learn it and it becomes second nature and it becomes quicker and easier. The first time you do it might take a couple of years. I don't know. But after you figure it out, just like we all can attest, it's like things can drop so much easier. Like it's, you're not holding the same crap for as long and it's not as arduous. So that's what we mean by shorting the time frame And it's not that it's bad if it takes you a while. This stuff is hard, but we want to just every year we can shave off of your journey to healing and liberation is a year you get back of your life. And that's worth it. And a year you get back your life is a really important note to say like, you know, when I first started on my journey, I used to get in shouting matches with my dad. I used to be so disconnected from my last relationship. I was, I couldn't feel. And now to look at my life and look at the level of connection that I feel to all things, including myself, it's just, I'm forever grateful for this work. It's, and I'm forever grateful for, I'm just forever grateful for this work. And I think that's why we all feel it. It's what brings us together here. And it's what, brought us all together to to bring these tools to others. And Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say, Emily, I really love hearing your passion on this. Every time we, we talk about it and, and you get you get on a riff, it's just like, yes. And I have passion in droves here. <laughs> yeah, so I love, I love it. And, and speaking to the listeners, the goal is to remove the confusion, simplify the steps you know, we're seeing this, this psychedelic renaissance happening right now. And if you're, you know, on this path of the inner work, you're seeing all sorts of people talk about all sorts of different tools and being able to ensure that we're mindful, that we're careful, that we're not overdoing it, that we're not blowing ourselves out, that we're not spinning ourselves sideways is a huge part of this. And part of our goals is is that just to, to help you along the path help individuals just remove the confusion and really allow this work to be a, an enjoyable path. My perspective from what we have put together is that it's at that three to six month window to complete one of these root coax cycles. If you have never done any work before, and that's like learning to ride the bike without the training wheels, right? Or the training wheels are on the first time. But once you understand the path itself, now it's just different flavors of that phenomenon. And so this work does become easier, more straightforward. And like everything in life, you're going to get handed some 
you know, more complex as you go along. And, you know, I, I just, I love the original, uh, there's a quote, you know, age old, right. It's, it's really about, about knowing thyself, right. Like that is what we're doing here. Like you're learning yourself. You get to learn yourself. And the beauty in that, as you start to lean in and do this work, it's magnificent. And it, no, I'll end there. I'm just very, I'm proud of you guys for leaning and doing the work and for everybody that's on this path. This is what the world is in need of. And we're going to call it honest spirituality, honest, direct, connected spirituality that every human can access without a gatekeeper in the way, you know, panhandling. Beautiful. Well, guys, if you're interested in anything we've been talking about, if this idea of community-based healing or the idea of a data-driven framework to remove confusion from the process of going inward, if any of this stuff is resonating with you and you want to learn more, please come join our free masterclass that we're going to be running on October 5th. Head to rajana.com forward slash masterclass. We have two times available for the class. It's going to be I believe at 9 a or 10 a.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Pacific. They will also be recorded. So if you can't make it live, you can watch the recording. But I highly recommend coming to the class live so you can ask questions. We're going to be sharing everything we've learned from the journey of going inward over the last several years. We're going to be sharing the framework that myself, Mike, and Emily all followed to get really clear on what's going on when we get emotionally triggered, when we get stressed, how we lean into community to grow and become our best selves and share an approach to doing the inner work that can remove confusion from the process altogether. We're super excited about this training. It's been years in the making and we're super excited about getting it out. So if anything that we've talked about on this episode has landed for you, head to rajana.com forward slash masterclass. And I can't wait for you guys to experience what we put together. Emily, Mike, I love you both. Thank you both for showing up and sharing your hearts. And I like these little three-way powwows. You might have to get more of these going. But um, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. These are your new friends, Emily and Mike. And from us, Stay Grounded. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay Grounded.